Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. Paul Winkler. Michael Sharpnick, we are talking money and investing. Specifically, talking about a uh, question that came up at a workshop that we taught, and it was about a specific asset management program, and it was called Strategic Asset Management Program, and it was offered by a big investment firm uh, that is out there. And you know what happens? You go to an investment advisor, and the investment advisor says, "Hey, you know, I, I don't necessarily study markets all the time, but we have people that are really good, and that's exactly what they do." And you can just, you know, put your money with these people and then they will move it where they think it needs to be moved based on what's going on in the market, market conditions, things that are happening. Now, when they're doing that based on market conditions, they're assuming that when you're making that move, remember, they're selling something and then they're buying something else from somebody thinks that thinks that, you know, they're buying something else from somebody that thinks that that thing is going to go down in value lots of times, right? And then they're buying something that the other person thinks is going to go down. You know, so what ends up happening is one of the two is you're going to be wrong. It's the way I put that. Uh, so in this program, they had types of investments and risks. And I think it's important to walk through some of these things because I've taught workshops for many, many, many years. Used to go out to the, you know, the various uh, trade groups. I would speak to investing groups. That was the worst thing for me to <laughs> People would say, hey, can you come, Paul, can you come speak to our investing group? And I would be like, your investing group's going to break up when I finish. <laughs> if they actually believe what I tell them, <laughs> there'll be no reason for being. Uh, or I would go to like these uh, clubs, you know, Lions Clubs, Kiwanis Clubs, uh, you know, those types of things that I would, I would go speak at those things. Uh, and I bring that up because the very first thing on this list of types of investments and risks in this program was one of the things that I didn't know a whole lot about until I spoke in front of one of these groups and then um, and then got asked about it. This is many, 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 many years ago. And I went and researched it and I found, ooh, this is a problem. So go ahead, what, uh, Michael, what did, you, uh, what did you see in here as far as types of investments and risks that were red flags to you? Yeah, so I mean, the first thing again, there's the, a really long list of different options, which which is a little bit of a red flag right there because that tells you a little bit they might be moving in and out between those types of options, so they kind of have to list everything to cover their bases. Yeah, so they're already making predictions there, but but then digging even more in some of the you know more concerning ones start with options. So the, one of the first options is options. You're right. You're right. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Um, hedge funds. You know, managed well, talk, futures. Talk, talk, talk real quick about what the issue with options are. Yeah. Well, options. You know, are basically you're you're making a prediction. Is is the main problem. You know, with an option is is you're you're going to have to predict what what's the market going to do. Um, in you know in the future, usually in the in the very short term, you know the very near future. Yeah, so you so you might have a put, uh, an an option to sell at a certain price. Uh, it'll be out of the money when you when you buy it. You know, so in other words, the stock will be selling for fifty bucks, and maybe the put option is that you'll be able to sell it for forty six. Well, I'm not going to exercise it because I could sell it right now for fifty. I'm only going to exercise if it goes below forty six. Is the idea behind it? It's a protective 
uh, type of an, a type of a, a purchase. In other words, you're protecting your downside risk. And the issue is that these things become expensive and even more expensive with more volatility. So in English, what I just said is that when you're most worried about this thing possibly dropping in value below the strike price, which is 46, which is the price that I can sell it for, that is when they are most expensive. And therefore, if it doesn't do that, it exercises, it basically expires worthless and it takes away your upside return. You know, so that's the issue with options con. You got to be right on the direction. Uh, then, then call options, the, the option to buy. Now, there are people that do late night things and they teach you how great and the money that you can make on these and covered calls and all of those types of things. But recognize it is a gamble, as Michael is talking about right there. So that's, that's the first one. And then after that. Right. So then we got hedge funds. Um, we got managed futures. So let's talk about hedge yeah. funds for a second. Go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the, the problem with hedge funds is, you know, you you have a big fund managed by um, this expert investment manager and, and you really you don't get a lot of detail on what they're doing yeah. is, is one problem. <laughs> and they can go anywhere. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And and the fees are really high. Um, yeah, two and 20. Right. And and typically. Um, so know, so what that mean? What that means? Explain. Let me explain that real quick. What I just said fast. I said two and 20. So you got two percent management fee and then 20 percent of the upside. So if your investment actually you're lucky enough to see a 20 percent upturn, let's say it goes up, then 20 percent, you know, of of our, our, you know, did 20% of 20, I probably should have used a different number. It goes up 30%. Let me use that number is let's say it goes up 30%, 20% cause I said two and 20, 20% of 30% is 6%. So you got your 2% management fee plus another six. So that's the two and 20. So that's why you see these people in huge, beautiful houses off of Lake Michigan. <laughs> and this is all really, really lucrative for the head fungement. Now, what's attractive about it is that they can go anywhere. And if somebody believes that stock picking and market timing are a valid way of managing money, then I want a fund that can go anywhere and do anything. I want no holds barred. They, they can do private equity. They can do options. They can do hedging strategies. They can do anything. Uh, short selling if they want to do whatever. So that's, that's the issue with hedge funds is that they can go anywhere. And because they can go anywhere and because philosophically, we just look at it and go, no, stock picking and market timing just, just demonstrably not a good way of managing money. We want to stay away from it. So you know, anyway, that, that that's the the detail on the uh, on the hedge funds. Right. The only reason you invest in a hedge fund is if you believe the manager can beat the market. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, you don't invest it. So it's already you're already admitting that you're gambling with your money by investing it in the first place. And some of the biggest customers. <laughs> let me just throw this out there: of Bernie Madoff. Mm. We're hedge funds. Mm. Yeah. And I was just kind of, what? <laughs> Eye opening, just a little. Yeah, I know. I hate to throw cold water on it. But, you know, and then so you'll have to be an accredited investor to be able to get in one, which means you have to be rich enough that the government doesn't care if you lose money. That's, that's my. <laughs> That's my way of defining that particular uh, term. And then you manage for manage futures. Uh, so manage futures. Let's let me just kind of throw this out there. Futures actually have a history that makes some sense. Uh, you think about when you were putting out a crop. Let's say you're a farmer in the Midwest and you're not positive uh, nor are we ever positive what the weather's going to be like in the coming summer. 
So what happens is you're going, uh, you know, I don't really know if it's going to be rainy. It's going to be too rainy. It's going to be too dry. So let's do this. I'm going to sell my crop at a very, very low price to somebody with big, deep pockets that is willing to take a bet on whether the crop is good or not. Now, if the crop is horrible, they lose. They lose because they paid this price that was a low price, but it wasn't low enough. It because it ended up, the crop ended up not coming in. It was just a bad, you know, bad, bad uh, harvest and and didn't work out well. Then if you have a bumper crop and you're knocking it dead, it's really great. Well, the person that took the bet and bought that crop, bought the rights to that crop at a lower price, they win. And so what ends up happening is you end up with a situation where now you are lost. You have lost a ton of money if you overpaid, but you made a tremendous amount of money if it really does well. So this is really where the problem is. You end up in this situation where you are betting on the future, and that's the issue. We don't have the future. We don't know what is going to happen in the future. So anything you're dealing with managed futures, recognize that is buzzword for market inefficiency. Markets fail. We can predict the future, and we can profit off of that prediction about the future. So I know I went on a rant, but that one is just a hot button for me because I have seen it over and over again where people read about this stuff, they hear about it, and they just don't even know what it is. But they don't recognize that it was actually invented for purposes that were actually pretty good. And there were it was something that you did want to use. If you were a farmer, it could save your back end in one of those years that wasn't so good. Uh, so let's do this. Let's take a quick break and come back right after this. We'll talk more about the, there's a couple of things in here that I think are just important for you to see that are in these types of programs. And I think uh, as an investor, you want to know how to read these program brochures. These are things that are required by the investment managers to put out there so that you can be buyer beware. And they are written in layman's terms, sort of. But recognize what we just did is we just defined some things that that may be layman's terms to somebody, but it may not be layman's terms to you. And this is why it's so important to be educated regarding this, because buyer beware doesn't protect you when you don't have enough money down the road. So... Um, they have this list of things that are types of investments and risks that were inside this program. And in general, these are things that I have people, these are buzzwords. Watch out for this stuff. Hedge funds we've talked about, managed futures. Uh, what are some of the other things in here, Michael, that you saw? Yeah, another one they have is private equity. Okay, so talk yeah. about that for a second. Yeah, well, the problem with private equity is, so it's the opposite of a public equity, right? A public company. So mm -hmm. first of all, they don't have the same kind of reporting requirements. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't get the same kind of information, mm -hmm. which makes it much more risky um, to know really what's going on with the company. Um, and, and there's less volume trading on those types of companies. So you don't have when you have, a, you know, 
a public company that's easily traded, mm-hmm. you know, the the mass amount of investors that are looking at Millions this company. Millions of shares a day. Right, yeah. right. That makes the price really accurate, that, that process. That, that's a re- that is a, a really, really good point that he's making right there. So, you know, part of market efficiency, this whole idea of this went back to the 1700s with Adam Smith. The wealth of nations. Literally, the United States economy was built on this fundamental principle that you have an invisible hand, that people, when buying and selling things, they would do things that are in their own best interest. When I buy something, I if, if I have a lot of different people I can buy it from, I'm going to go, what will you sell it to me for? What will you sell it to me? Oh, you'll sell it to me for this. I'll buy it from you because you're the cheapest price. And you, but you're going to look at quality. You're going to look at how quick delivery comes in. You're going to look at, is it the same thing? Are you, are you going to back it? Is there going to be a warranty behind it? All of those types of things. And what happens is you'll pay a price that is commensurate with the value that you're getting. And it is based on the idea that the consumer is bright enough to figure out what's in their own best interest. And it's pretty, pretty decent premise. I kind of think, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> go figure. Uh, it built the most successful economy in the entire world. And other countries are actually emulating it. So that's the idea behind market efficiency. So basically what private equity, the, the issue that you run into is that you have less trading. So you're not able to know necessarily you don't have as much information, especially if they're keeping the information private because they can, hence the word private uh, in there. You know, so that's, so what happens is right off the bat, you don't really know what you're getting and you may be getting into risks. And there have been articles I've talked about where people have gone in private equity and they go, oops, <laughs> didn't mm-hmm. expect this. So that's another one. Next thing on the list was... Um, yeah, next thing is REITs there. Okay. So, you know, real estate investment trusts. It's a way to invest in real estate as kind of a packaged product, you know, might be commercial, you know, um, it could malls. Be, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't want to invest in that. Uh, that's a declining area for sure. Yeah, well, that was a there was a big article about that in the uh, Wall Street Journal, and they just had this visual. And they're showing, you know, a top-down, I guess maybe a drone view of the malls, and it was just abysmal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just empty, and the valuations just, and that, and and that's ex- exactly, uh, th- those are just one of the areas. Uh, other things, you know, like for example, with COVID, mm-hmm. who on earth knew that commercial properties would go unrented? Because people weren't going to work from a business anymore; they were going to work so much from home, and there was going to be a demand drop huge demand drop. And that has basically put a stake in the heart of so many real estate investment trusts. And that's exactly what they're investing in here. And, you know, the reality of it is, did they know that before? No. But again, it's a method of gambling with somebody's money, betting on these things. Uh, when you own stocks, you already have lots of exposure to real estate. Mm-hmm. So that, that that was it. Yeah. And, and the other big problem related to that is, you know, they can be great for a period of time when rents are great and the you mm-hmm. know real estate economy is booming, but you're you're locked in with these types of products. And so when things go south, uh, you know, eventually the, the economy goes through cycles. It usually goes south at some point. You're stuck in it and you, and you can't get out. And that, that's where the problem really comes in. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're going, you know, there was a recent article talking about that. And and, uh, and I was I was talking about it here on the show. And it was this massive 
just exodus. People just yanking their money out of these products because they're recognizing what Michael's talking about right there. It's just a huge run out. And then, you know, that's it. You end up with a drop in value that was pretty doggone significant. And we told some stories about that. Okay, so under there, under the program brochure, you know, there were things that they talked about here. Aunt Michael, they said market risk. They talk about credit risk and liquidity risk that you might have. Market risk is general. You're going to have that no matter where you are because uh, markets go up and markets go down. Interest rate risk, you're going to have that in your bonds. If interest rates go up, bond prices can go down. That's, that's the issue with that credit risk. If you lend... And this is important because if you're lending to somebody that may not be able to repay the money that they borrowed, now you got credit risk and then all of a sudden go down in value because the person borrowing, their um, their ability to repay has dropped. Okay, so some of the other things that you saw in here, Michael. Yeah, so they go through a lot of you know different risks. You were hitting that in the last segment. Um, and I think as part of they have to, right? They have to cover all their their bases, the different types of risk. But there were a couple that I th- they saw that you actually highlighted that you thought were were important to discuss even further. So what are some of those? Yeah, one they hit is they they're calling it concentration risk, um, which is simply uh, we might call it over concentration risk. You know, when you're moving into one specific area of the market because you think that area mm-hmm. is going to do better. So mm-hmm. you, let's get all our money over here so we can benefit from it. Um, so even just in the name there, you're automatically, you're making a prediction. You're you're thinking that markets fail, yeah. right? You're not thinking that markets are efficient. You're gambling with the money. As, as much as we think that that's a bad thing to do, it's actually an integrity. <laughs> there, there's integrity here because they're actually... They're putting their money, your money, where their mouth is. <laughs> I guess that's one way of it. That's funny. That'd be a good commercial. Your it? money where their <laughs> mouth is. <laughs> that's actually really funny. Uh, but um, I crack myself up. So, yeah, what they're doing is you think, think of it this way. This is why it's so funny to me. Let's say if I truly believe that markets are mispricing things, how many mutual funds do I need to own? One, because all the other stuff isn't going to do as well as the one that I, I'm going to manage here, right? And then in that mutual fund, if I really, really think there are mispricings, how many stocks do I need to have inside of it? Now, technically, you can't legally do this, but uh, you, you know, where you only have one stock, but that's all you'd need. You would just need the one company that you know is underpriced and it's going to do better than everything else. And that's in you would concentrate in that. Some people, nobody can do that. Well, and where do you draw the line? Hmm. Where do you draw the line? Do you draw the line at 10 stocks? Do you draw the line at 20 stocks? Do you draw it at 30? Do you draw it at 40, 50? Where do you draw the line? Right, because once you add in more, you're admitting that you really don't know what's going to happen. You're just guessing. And you think it's a good guess, but but now you, you really don't know. Yeah, and exactly. So it, it is, they are actually... S- Stepping up to the plate to some extent with their language here, but they're still missing the boat. So other things in here. Yeah. So then they talk about alternative strategy mutual funds, mm-hmm. you know, so different types of mutual funds that can in- invest in in different types of things. Um, commodities is is one of the main ones they're talking about there. I'm just laughing. I'm kind of smiling because I'm thinking, you know, my marriage isn't working out so well. 
What's an alternative strategy? You know, alternative it's, strategy it's, marriage, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just like, you know, it's like having something, it's like, it's like having an escape hatch out there, you know, for, for you to somehow have something else that I can go to uh, as if every other, you know, the tens of thousands of mutual funds aren't, aren't any good and, and they're not worth actually going into. I need some other strategy. And that's basically what they're doing. They're talking about commodities. They're talking about leveraging, you know, borrowing to try to magnify gains and losses is what you're doing there. Selling securities short. We already talked about shorting, use of derivatives. Uh, they talked about potential illiquidity. So I think the short version of this is, person asking the question, I would stay away from this investment program. Strategic Asset Management Program, the SAM program. Um, too many red flags for us. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.